You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Tuesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And actually, it's the latest from Nashville, Tennessee, the site of this year's winter meetings. And in my opinion, the most exciting time of the baseball calendar, when you consider parts of the baseball calendar that actually don't include baseball being played on the field. This is typically when you see the most rumors, the most activity, the most exciting potential when it comes to teams making significant moves. And under Alex Anthopoulos, The Braves have typically used the winter meetings as a time to explore potential moves. But this year, as we saw on Sunday night, the Braves actually made a significant move, which we'll get into a little bit later on in the podcast. But the Braves have been among the most active teams so far this offseason. Signing Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, Renato Lopez to multiple-year contracts. Picking up the option on veteran Charlie Morton. Trading for reliever Aaron Bummer. And now, of course, trading for left fielder Jared Kellenick of the Majors. The Braves have been, again, among the most active teams in Major League Baseball. But what stands out about the Braves, what remains the most intriguing about the Braves, is what they still could do. When it comes to not only addressing their biggest need this offseason which is potentially adding a significant arm to the rotation, but also the fact, as reports indicated on Monday, the Braves reportedly remain in the conversation for the biggest free agent prize potentially in baseball history, and that's because he could land the biggest contract in baseball history, that of course being Shohei Otani. Now, there was a report on Monday from John Palmarosi that the Braves, quote, have had talks with... Otani's camp, and that they have not been eliminated from the conversation when it comes to Shohei Otani. Now, basically what that seems to me is if, at the very least, the Braves are keeping tabs on the Otani situation just to keep up to date on what's going on. Because obviously, without a doubt, any team associated with baseball, if they felt there was any chance at all that they could add arguably the best free agent in baseball history, they're obviously going to do their due diligence to be interested. And Morosi has been basically the sole source connecting the Braves to Otani. This isn't the first time he's connected the Braves with Otani. And the biggest reason for that connection is Morosi pointing out that one of the factors that really matters to Otani in signing with the team is how well they are set up to win in the future. And let's make the case that the Braves arguably are set up better than anyone 
to win for the foreseeable future. So that's why Otani has, quote, been intrigued by the Braves. But this is where I think it, it kind of gets a bit more speculative than actually realistic. If the biggest factor of all, even over money, for Otani was to sign with the team that was set up to win for the long-term future, and he makes it clear that his preference is to be a Brave, in that case, the Braves need to do what, whatever they can do to sign Otani. If Otani clearly makes it clear that he wants to be a Brave, the Braves need to make it happen. They can afford it with how much money that they are, that they have coming in, and obviously when you add a good as player of Otani to as good of a team as the Braves, you're eventually going to make up, by far, more in earnings than the cost that it will take to bring in Otani, even though it'll be a big cost. So if Otani clearly ma makes his preference clear that he wants to be the Brave, the Braves need to go sign him. But the only way that that happens is if the biggest factor for Otani in signing with the team is how well they're set up to win for the future. And I just don't think that's going to be the biggest factor. Because with Otani, if he has the chance to sign for $500 plus million, and reportedly he's already got multiple offers above that amount, the Braves are not going to win that bid anymore. That's just not how they operate. Other teams are going to have more of a desire to pay that type of money for Shohei Otani, and I just don't feel the Braves are one of those teams. So it simply comes down to what the biggest factor is. And I think at the end of the day, that's naturally going to be money. That's not in any way, shape, or form a criticism of Shohei Otani. It should be the biggest factor. But if it truly is, other teams, the Dodgers, Cubs, Blue Jays perhaps, I think they are much more realistic as an option for Shohei Otani than the Braves are. Don't get me wrong. Like anyone else, I would love for Shohei Otani to be the Brave. I just don't think it's an actual realistic option to happen. But what we do know in reality is that the Braves, perhaps in surprising fashion, did make a move to not only address their left field situation, but did it in a way that could potentially address it for the long term in Sunday night's trade for Jared Kelnick, the Braves trading prospect Cole Phillips, as well as the recently acquired Jackson Kowar, for veteran starter Marco Gonzalez, first baseman Evan White, as well as Jared Kelnick. Now, Scott Coleman, Brad Rowland did an excellent breakdown of the trade on the latest Battery Power podcast. Make sure you check that out. But what stands out to me about Jared Kelnick, I I'm thrilled with this trade because I'm a true believer that the Braves have a clear ability to bring in talents that struggled with other teams but that have potential. The Braves have a true ability to bring in very talented hit hitters that struggled elsewhere to allow for them to make the most of their opportunity in Atlanta. The list is long. Either hitters that have gotten back to the best production of their career in Atlanta that they had previously or hitters that have reached their peak with Atlanta. You know, Sean Murphy and Matt Olson last year put up their best off stretches of their best offensive stretches of their career with Atlanta that they never that they never really came close to in Oakland. So I am really, really intrigued. I'm thrilled to see what Jared Kellenick could do in Atlanta under the tutelage of Kevin Seitzer and others. But what potentially gets him to that production? What about his overall offensive approach? has to change for him to unlock his true potential. I think you first need to start out at, at what his true potential could look like. And I think that you got a glimpse of that last year for the two-month stretch that Kelnick played at the start of the season before he got injured. See, that's notable to me. 
It's not as if Kelnick ha has not had any type of success at the Major League level. Yeah, I think that he's disappointed overall when you consider the fact that he once was a you know top five prospect in baseball. But last year before he got injured, Jared Kelnick batted 277. We're talking about from April through May of last year. Jared Kelnick batted 277 with a 333 on base percentage and a 513 slugging percentage. 236 ISO, a near 850 OPS, 1.3 FR, 132 WRC+. That's a offensive, that is a significantly above average offensive contributor. An outfielder on pace for a 4.5 to 5 win season in terms of FR. That is a significant breakout season for a young player like Kelnick. And again, the biggest reason why is because when Kelnick does make contact, there's a lot of good potential. He does a lot of damage when he makes contact. Above average metrics when it comes to exit velocity, when it comes to sweet spot, when it comes to barrel, there's a lot of intrigue when Kelnick does make contact. But the biggest swing stat, the biggest swing skill for Jared Kelnick to truly unlock his potential in Atlanta is for him to make that contact more consistently. Because even when he was going through that two-month stretch last year of an 850 OPS and on pace for a potential 4.5 to 5 win season in terms of F4, he had a 31% strikeout rate to go with the 7.5% walk rate. The big key for Jared Kelnick is that he does strike out a lot. There's a lot of swing and miss in his game, especially when it comes to breaking balls. He had nearly or slightly above a 40% strikeout rate on breaking balls last year. He does very well against fastballs. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But the biggest key for Jared Kelnick, for him to be able to sustain the production that he showed last year before he got injured, is for him to cut down on his strikeout rate. But we've seen that discussion before. Look at what Kevin Seitzer and the Braves staff and their system have done for players such as Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna Jr., the biggest reason why Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna Jr. became true MVP candidates this past year is because of how well they did on cutting down on their strikeout rate. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jared Kelnick becomes an MVP candidate by cutting down on his strike rate, strikeout rate by those two, but I am saying that through working with the Braves system, if Jared Kelnick can cut down on his strikeout rate, that is going to allow for him to potentially turn into a player that could produce an 830-840 OPS, be a 25-30 home run producer, potentially turn into a 3, maybe even 4 win level player. I'm not saying it's a high guarantee, but you've at least seen that the potential is there based what he did at the start of last season. And you've also seen other areas where Jared Kelnick could put together improvements that could help him become that type of player. He took a big leap in terms of his overall production against left-handed pitchers, nearly an 800 OPS. He produced much better outside of Safeco Park, which is typically a pitcher's park. He produced much better outside of Safeco Park than he did at home for the Mariners. So yes, it's definitely not a guarantee that Jared Kelnick truly delivers on his potential once he's in Atlanta. But I do think that Atlanta provides him a better setup to realize his potential than other places, and you've seen that he can make significant improvements based off what he did last year. So certainly I'm highly intrigued by Jared Kelnick. And the other added factor is that when we talk about the fact that in the playoffs, the Braves struggled overall with velocity, that's one area where Jared Kelnick 
definitely does shine. A 321 average with a 607 slugging percentage on pitches 96 miles per hour or faster is definitely intriguing for Kelnick to be a part of the bottom of this Braves order. So I'm thrilled. I think there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of reason to be excited about the addition of Jared Kelnick. We'll see in time if it truly leads to him breaking out as a Brave. But enough about Shohei Otani, enough about what the Braves have already done. What about them focusing on the biggest need of all for their offseason when it comes to adding a truly significant starting pitcher? We'll discuss that in just a moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So now that the Braves have made the moves to shore up their bullpen, now that they made the move to sign a long-term option for left field, the clear focus of this Braves team is on adding a significant arm to the starting rotation. And with the fact that Aaron Nola as well as Sonny Gray, and it's been reported that yes, the Braves were interested in both, but maybe not to the level that some had anticipated, with both of those options already signed, it seems as if the most logical way for the Braves to add a highly significant arm to the rotation is through a trade. The Braves have naturally been connected to White Sox starting pitcher Dylan Cease. From Atlanta, multiple years of control, but there are plenty of other teams out there that have interest in him as well. At the end of the day, can the Braves put together the best package for Cease? Potentially. But other teams likely could put together better packages if they truly want to. And as Mark Bowman mentioned, should the Braves be considered the favorite for Dylan Cease? Well, maybe or maybe not. I definitely think they're interested. But again, if it comes into a, a trade package bidding more, do the Braves truly feel they can win that? I don't necessarily know. So when it comes to the Braves potentially landing Dylan Cease, I think right now that's the most sensible trade option for the Braves to go after. But at the end of the day, is it the only option? Not necessarily. Because again, you've got other pitchers that are out there. Shane Bieber, Tyler Glass now, as well as Corbin Burns. But again, with them, you only got one of your control. So naturally, they may not be as attractive to the Braves because of the fact that the Braves will have to then focus on re-signing those players long-term, and it's harder to sign them to team-friendly deals once they reach free agency. But I do think that it's clear the Braves are in discussion. Whether it's still in cease or potentially another option, I clearly think that the Braves are putting out feelers to make some type of move. And I think that there'll likely be a trade to add a starter. For instance, it's going to come down to is, is can the Braves put together a quality enough trade package to make it happen? You know, we heard the report from Sunday night, or from Saturday into Sunday, that the Braves, you know, were discussing a potential deal with the team that didn't happen because the team likely wanted a prospect package that Alex Anthopoulos wasn't willing to meet. And we also know that Alex Anthopoulos is not willing to trade from his young core position players. I do think that the Braves have a good enough pull of prospects. I mentioned them on last week's podcast. I do think, you know, Vaughn Grissom, A.J. smith Shaver, Hurston Waldrop, Owen Murphy, even though he had Tommy John surgery, J.R. Ritchie, 
Drake Baldwin, Spencer Swellenbach. I think the Braves have a good enough prospect pool to trade from to truly go get a significant starter. But Alex Anthopoulos also has every reason to make sure he's not overpaying or he's not bidding against himself. And for that reason, I think the Braves are smart to take their time and make sure the right deal comes along with them. So at the end of the day, I think that the Braves are having conversations. And I also do think that the Braves will likely make a move. But they're not going to make a move just to ensure they get a move made. They're going to make a move that makes sense. And I think at the end of the day, the Braves are willing to trade. Tra- the, the Braves are going to be willing to pay a significant prospect price, but they're going to make sure it's a price that they're comfortable with to get a pitcher they feel can help them in 2024 and beyond. Now, it may seem as if the Braves, you know, kind of put themselves in a harder position to do that by taking on nearly $20 million of salary in 2024 in the Kellening deal. But as Ken Rosenthal reported on Monday as well, the Braves are likely to move on from Marco Gonzalez, which would probably take $12 million off of the Braves' payroll. And if so, the Braves are able to do that. That once again puts them in position to make a move for a significant starter, even though that starter may be owed a significant salary in 2024 and beyond. But while the Braves may be focused on the starting or on the trade market for a significant starting pitcher instead of the free agency market, they're also making sure that they're covering all their bases. As late on Monday, it was reported that the Braves also have potential interest in Seth Lugo, potential target for the Braves in terms of being, you know, a potential bargain addition through free agency. A veteran who has both been a reliever as well as a starter, but kind of like we saw Charlie Morton do in his time with Atlanta. Seth Lugo potentially could be a veteran that could see good production coming into Atlanta's system, and he could be a reliable option for the Braves not only during the regular season, but as well as the postseason. And he also potentially may not cost as much as other free agent starters, and he could be a sensible alternative if trade asks get too high. Many other teams have interest as well, but it is notable that the Braves do seem to be showing interest in Seth Lugo. I think that Lugo probably is more of a fallback option, especially if the Braves can't get a a controllable starter through a trade, but it is notable that the Braves have interest in him to potentially add to the rotation. So I know that there have been reports out there that, you know, hey, the Braves may not necessarily be in on one singular player as much as has been reported. But I think the most notable thing to take away is that the Braves are highly active in adding a significant arm to the rotation. You obviously would love for that to result in a top-of-the-rotation option coming to the Braves via trade. One that's young enough to still have upside for the future and one that could potentially be an option for the Braves long-term. But if Atlanta were to not find that option, and we know that Alex Anthopoulos is not typically one to overpay, it makes sense that the Braves also have interest in a veteran starter like a Seth Lugo, especially if they can move off Marco Gonzalez because he away of all in terms of what the Braves potentially could do is that they're casting a wide net when it comes to options. The feeling is out there that they're going to make at least one more significant move. And I think once they do that, we're once again going to see Alex Antopoulos at work getting good value for the pitcher that he brings in. And I think the Braves are going to be in a good position both next year and beyond to truly continue being 
the biggest favorite in baseball when it comes to the World Series, not only for 2024, but for years to come. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. Catch all the great podcast content. We'll have plenty of it as the winter meetings go on with the Battery Power Podcast, the podcast to be named later, the Daily Hammer, any emergency con- any emergency podcasts, if any other moves were to be made, all at your fingertips wherever you listen to podcasts. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me uh, you can find me at StatsSCC on Twitter. Until next time, go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. 